curious to see how many people we get when we don't like schedule it ahead of time. Yeah. We'll see. What do you need? Katie got a different one, one that fits better. That still fits, it's just not as long. Okay, this is it. Yes. Oh. Oh, there's a mosquito. So it begins. You already live? Yeah, we've been live. For oh. 57 seconds. 57 seconds? What up, y'all? Episode 48? Episode 48. 48? But this is a little different. We're actually in the same place. We're together. Crazy, right? Is Brandon Wheeler the only one watching this? What's up, Brandon? No, there's eight people. Oh, nice. You shared, you shared it in the carpet group. Oh, look, so. this is this. See, this is my first Chris. time seeing, seeing the back it, end of it. Seeing the back end of it. Yeah. Ah. Very cool. Ooh. Very cool. Interesting. So I got kicked out of my own house. You did. Because I'm getting married tomorrow, and apparently you're not allowed to stay with your soon-to-be bride. Oh, trim that off. Bad luck. Do you have a straight cut? I'm just gonna smoke it like I always do. Okay. All right. Because right. I find that they usually burn kind of jacked up when you're dealing with that little tip. Yeah. Well, I'm also so. dealing with this nonsense. I don't know. You turn this thing up way too much, I think. Turn it down. Ready to tell you, right? Towards the, there's a minus. Oh, there is. Look at that. I don't know. I trim that little little nibble off. Scientific as fuck. It always kids. burns. There's cutters in that little a real cutter? table over by the hot tub. <clears throat> that actually explains <laughs> a lot. Yes, Casey. It's my last night as a single. Bachelor. Ah! And I'm, instead of spending it with strippers and illicit drugs, I'm spending it with Phil. And my cigar is having a freaking stroke. Or not my cigar, my lighter. I, don't, I just, I cut that off every time just because... I find they burn messed up when you leave it on there. See, I always don't have a problem with it for whatever reason. Maybe I just got lucky. I am smoking a Tricky Traka 7x64. It's pretty big. I'm not usually a, a big gauge cigar guy, but I do like these. Nice. This is so weird. We're in the same place at the I same know. time. I know. Freaking me out a little bit. I don't know how the audio is going to be. Uh, yeah. Because we don't have. I'm sure it'll be fine. It'll be fine. That mic is usually pretty sensitive. Yeah, people get to see us. Yeah. What is Casey saying? Filling strippers? What? Oh, my. Casey Cannon. You dirty degenerate. I love you. They were like, shouldn't I be getting ready to get married? And I said, well, uh, it's like normally, like I, should, I a normal bachelor would spend their last night with strippers and illicit drugs. 
was like, I'm spending it with Phil. I am. <laughs> the illicit did you cut it with a V cutter on you? I did. And then I almost went like this. Jesus. This is the uh, Gurkha Cellar Reserve 15, 18? 18 years. It's a 15. Is it a 15? It's a 15. This is one five. 15 Maduro. Where's your camera? There's the camera. There the ones that I keep telling everybody about. Yeah. Here goes nothing. Oh my God. It's like fireworks. Jesus. Ah. Give me your lighter. <laughs> this is a train wreck happening. Yeah. Oh my God. What is this? A Ferrari? Oh. Okay. There we go. Nobody saw that. Nobody saw that. That was turned up I too. This is a hell of an episode, children. Here, take this friggin' rocket launcher. I need to back. turn it down too. It's it's too hot. Like I don't know why it does that where it does that sputtering. Yeah. I don't, okay. I don't know. But regardless, it's lit. That's all that matters. Well, this uh, 15 year cellar reserve is actually quite delectable. If I do say so myself. I've talked about the Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust stuff made by Steve Saka in previous episodes, and a lot of it. I feel is a little overpriced for what it is flavor wise. Like I don't think they're really worth the price tag, but any of the Mike Rita tricky Traka, which is basically the Mike Rita label. It's just red instead of a dark golden blue. Um, is much better, uh, fairly complex, uh, definitely spicier. Uh, I believe this is a Habano wrapper. Um, Chris will be getting to try them soon. Cause I put one in his box. Um, so, yeah, if you can find these, they are worth the try. If you can find those Gurkhas that Phil is smoking, they are also worth the try. So, how many people are watching right now? Nine. Nine. It's not Monday, but we're hanging out. Yeah, this is the wedding episode. He's down here for the wedding, and... Since we got kicked out of my house, I was like, "Let's just let's just do." We're making we're making Smithy an honest man. Let's do an episode. And by the way, this is episode we said forty eight, right? Forty eight ish. Brought to you by the fine folks at Puget Sound Reptiles. Puget Sound Pythons. Pythons, forgive me. Who just got some awesome white lip pythons? Oh, really? They're getting all kinds of cool stuff. I heard They're that. focusing on the stuff that. That not enough people are focusing on and putting their work into. Yes, yes. So. When uh, what, northern southern <clears throat> golds, I don't know which one's which. I don't know, but man, like Chris said, he's getting uh, he got more avo today. So avo stuff. I haven't had an avo I didn't like. Like they make good cigars. They make very solid cigars. They're not anything like mind blowing. They're just always very. They're just good. This is so cool that we're sitting next to each other doing this. But it's also kind of weird because normally I would look at you on screen yep. because you're talking and I'm, you know, now you just turned and looked at me and 
It was pretty nice. It was pretty nice. Hey, Jeremiah's here. Jeremiah's local. Jeremiah lives right up the road. Nice. He's got a bunch of cool stuff. He's a carpet guy. He's got a little bit of everything, though. He's got some turtles. He's uh, he's an alternative guy as well. Cool. He's got some fair eye. Nice. <clears throat> but, um, it's nice and cool. It is. Was it about 73, 72? Something like that. Tomorrow it's supposed to be even cooler. It's going to be like lower like 50 something. Excellent. It's going to be amazing. Excellent. So. I'm going to need you to uh, take some provocative pictures of me in my suit for Nipper. Definitely. He has requested said such. And we finally, apparently, we finally got the the Puget thing right. Apparently, because Anthony Ackerman said, you know, the Puget reptiles this time. I'm sorry, I didn't. Puget Pythons. I, I mean, I'm not, I feel like it's not out of the realm to say Puget. It's not, but so you also you say Macklots. I'm saying Macklots. You're, you're, you're making I'm, a valid attempt to No, I'm, I, it's just, I, sh- I shorten it. Macklot? Macklots. Is it, there's no plural, it's just Macklot? Macklots. Uh, I get it. What? Uh, Matt said, "Is he? He's a bullfrog." This is Jeremiah. Oh, <laughs> uh, it took me a minute. <laughs> Miguel said, "Don't feel too bad. I've lived in the uh, Pacific Northwest for ten years and just learned how to pronounce it." Nice. But Phil officially got to see the collection and everything this morning. Fantastic. He got to see my house that we've been in for a year. He got to see my Mickey Mouse operation in the shed right over there where I'm bringing my mice. We did a little walking around the woods. Didn't find anything. Bubkiss. Dead leaves and bubkiss. What's that? He's not. We've just been hanging out, man. Smoking cigars. I had my rehearsal this evening. It's actually been a really exciting excursion for me because I got to see the wonderful, majestic Billy Hunt and play with some of his animals as well. And then this evening, I also got to see the infamous debonair Jacob Bratz of JLB Morelia. And his amazing collection of Poplin deliciousness. Quite a treat, if I do say so myself. Did you see a scrub? I did see a scrub. Well, I, I, I saw seen it in a minute. I'm probably big. It is nowhere near as big as I imagined it. I thought yeah, yeah. it was like it was eight or nine foot. foot. No. And it's not. It's probably yeah. about three and a half-ish. Okay. And I only saw its head and neck as it poked through the, the foliage like a velociraptor. That thing has no fear. And I walked over, and it just came right to yep. me. And the beautiful black markings in the face and the big, big, beautiful eyes. And it just gave me that look like, come on, man, let's let's roll. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird seeing a snake that's going to, like, square up. Yeah. Like, I'm sure you've seen it with mambas and cobras and stuff like that. But yeah. Like, the scrubs, like, even those Jance and I, when they finally, like, they finally had it. Um, yeah. They're, instead of, like, running, they're like, all right. Mm-hmm. You see them cock back. And they don't, they do this weird thing where they don't like cock back and wait. They do this like spring thing where they cock back and then they just. Yeah. And it's whole body line. It's all, yeah. All momentum. Yeah. Justin was kind enough to, uh, 
one of the uh, Jansen and I had knocked its LED lights down. So Justin said, "Oh, you know what? Let me let me take the animal out and we'll, we'll put it in a, in a rack for the it meantime." Down again today. Did it really? You mean it was pulled down or? Just... No, I don't know. I think the the adhesive is just wearing off. I've played. I've played with a lot of Ganyasoma over the years. I mean, I've never owned them personally, but I've worked with you know import stuff and other people's stuff, and you know they're fun. They're fun, man. And but I've never really played with Jansen and I. And he's like, dude, they fly across the room and they do this, and they do that, and of course me, you know, being me, I said, ah, oh, you're just a wussy man. And that thing friggin' launched out of that tub like a bat out of hell onto the floor. Justin has to get on the floor. Justin has to basically catch it mid strike on the hook and finally managed to get it into the tub, biting its own body and everything. But we did it quick. It was quite famous. Pretty typical interaction. Um, Thomas wants to know we're smoking. Phil's smoking that Gerga 15 year Maduro. Uh, I'm smoking a Tricky Traka. I want to say this is the, the seven six number seven six four, which is a seven by sixty four. Um, it's a big one. Let's try my mouth out. And uh, Thomas, this is actually my third or fourth uh, reserve or signature. I'll, I'll even call it a higher end Gurkha of the week. And this is by far the best one I've this had. Is so good. The best one I've had. The uh, the 18 year was good, but I had a lot of burn problems, and I have to read the thing every 20 seconds. But this one is tip top. Well, like I was telling him, dude, they, it's a perfecto, so it, it it tapers at the end that you cut, uh, but then the end you light, it also tapers into an even finer point. And I told him, with cigars like that, doesn't matter if it's that Gurkha or something else, I cut that off because almost every time you light when that's still there, it burns off. It, it burns, they always burn jacked up. So I just cut it and make it flat like you would have with a regular cigar like this. It makes life a little easier. Um, but then Matt at Arboreal Furies uh, said, how did you like the cyanian? She didn't really see them. I mean, they were kind of, the mail was out a little bit. But, a little bit. Yeah. But beautiful animals. We didn't, we, it was late at night when we went in there to, to look at that stuff and we really didn't want to mess with them too much. They were just coming out, I think, right? It was about eight o'clock at night. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, what was oh, what was the size of the vodka I had today? It's the uh, gingy. gingy. I don't know what size it is exactly, but okay, it's probably Anybody, like a seven by forty. Six or so. That forty-eight. Seven by forty-eight. Yeah. Okay. Round about. That smoke. A phenomenal Connecticut. Yeah, the bandwidth. Did you? Oh. It's, it's a Cameroon. A red, it's a Cameroon? Yeah. Okay, so a beautiful Cameroon. That thing smokes like a dream. The ash stuck perfect. I mean, I had half the stick gone before I, I ashed just so I didn't, you know, accidentally do it on the deck. But I could have let that thing keep going. A phenomenal afternoon smoke. And that's one of the that's one of the ones from Romacraft that you, you really have to like retrohale. So you, you instead of just puffing on it. And blowing it out, you have to like kind of push the smoke back, blow it out your nostrils, and you uh, you, you get much more flavor out of it though. Like, you're only using a smaller percentage of your taste buds when you just puff on it, but then when you retrohale, 
you really get a lot more of the nuanced notes. And that's one of those cigars that you, to really like fully appreciate it, you have to retro hell. And that's what Steve Saka says about all his Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust stuff. Like, yeah. he, I think he's he's been quoted in an interview saying like, if you're not retro hailing it, you're wasting your time. I believe it. So, I don't know. I believe it. Those ladies' island corns are awesome. The cyania eggs are doing awesome. Mm. I want to see the the uh, the incubation box set up before I leave. If that's possible. I tried to show it to you the other night. You were, I don't know, you were looking at the scrub or something. Oh. It was in the closet because that's what that green tree's on. Mm. But yeah. No, we didn't, we didn't open the incubator though. I did because I, I air the eggs out. Uh, like every day I, I open it for a couple seconds. I got another thing I was playing with cat. Probably. He's just so damn cute. He is. He's a menace, Hector. but he's fucking adorable. Yeah. Yep. Phil got to meet Hector. My kitten. He's an ass. I'm not talking about Hector. <laughs> the eggs are doing good. Um, hopefully, sometime next month they're supposed to hatch. It'll probably end up being mid to late November. Um, but I mean, they're still going strong. I don't have any signs of any of them going bad. I haven't candled any of them. Um, I've kind of come to the conclusion and a lot of Condor guys kind of have this mentality now, like candling, like do it when you first get the eggs, but don't do it. Con like don't regularly like pick them up and check them because yeah. especially late term, they think, so I'm sure you've seen it with some snakes, but you get like these full term babies that either get out of the egg or they don't, but that umbilical cord is like knotted around them. It's like shoeless. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a theory in the green tree python world that picking up eggs late term and candling them causes that snake to move around in there and somehow get tangled up in it. And then when they come out, it like cinches and there's problems. So. Which which is interesting to me because if you're if the mom is doing MI, she's continuously moving. You know what I mean? Well, they're all in like one solidified clump. Though. Right, but she's still moving around it. So in theory, if you were to pick up the egg and not disturb it, you know, in terms of its equilibrium, it would be irrelevant. It would be right, but you still think if you're late term, that light going through that egg oh, is going to make light. that snake okay. sort of... I, mean, I didn't even think of that. You've seen a moving candle. Yeah, yeah. So. Mm -hmm. I don't know. And I also don't have a bright enough flashlight to really do it well. Like, I need something like what you have. Yeah. So... I don't know. They look like they're doing fine. Like I said, I'm not messing with them. I'm not touching them. I'm not handling them. Just yeah. I open the lid like once a day, every other day, whatever. To burp it. Just to, yep. Um, and something else I've actually been wanting to do is put a plant clipping in the egg box. Because I think that'll help with some of that gas exchange. And, sure. But you have, that's going to be tough because you have to have a... Ideally, you'd want like a light in your incubator and you'd want a lid that light can penetrate. So you want that plant yeah. to get light, obviously. I mean, you could grow pothos in there, probably. I don't think it would grow fast at all. Right. But so that I've been wanting to do. I just have that egg box that I have now, which isn't big enough to add any any substantial clipping. Like, I could do, like, a single leaf, but if those do anything like they have in those water bowls, it's not going to grow. It's just going to be that one. Well, it's interesting you mention that because Billy Hunt has his um, Pac-Man frog, mm -hmm. and he has it in a large deli. And the large deli is about two thirds filled with, I'm assuming it's eco or something. Yeah. Spent. 
and then he has the thin, thin flower pot water catch. What do you, what do you call that? It's just a tray. The tray. He has a plastic one of those as the water basin. The frog basin lives in that. And then he took a piece of PVC pipe connector, and that's a little cave, and he buried that in the, in the mm-hmm. eco. Well, he put a clipping of pothos in there, and I was unaware of this. Uh, I didn't know that as pothos gets more light, it starts to change its green into the yellow yeah. or to a white or, or whatever it may be. So the leaves that were in there are dark, 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 almost emerald green because it's not getting any light, mm-hmm. but the thing is growing. Yeah. Like I said, I mean, it yeah. will grow. It's just, it's going to grow like at a snail's pace. But do you feel like if you were to do the clipping in the beginning, like day one or day two, and it had time for the entire 100-day incubation or whatever it is, do you think it would still grow and be sufficient, or do you think it would rot out because it's in a dark-ass hot incubation? Well, the difference, I don't think it's necessarily the heat that's the problem. I think it's one of those things where if you start out, A, with a bigger egg box, which I'm a believer in bigger egg boxes anyways because they're easier to easier to make it like homeostatic right more stability because you have more it's the difference of like saltwater aquariums like smaller saltwater yeah, aquariums yeah. are much harder to keep stable yes because there's so much less wiggle room yes than larger tanks mm-hmm. i think it's the same thing with egg boxes okay so that egg box that they're in now is a small one because i pretty much went by the, the guidelines of uh chris who's over in europe he's a big boy breeder and i picked his brain and I, he sent me the measurements of the boxes he used and i found one that's roughly the same size as far as volume Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but the lid's opaque. Um, I filled up. I mean, it's maybe a third, a third of the way full with the APS that aquatic plant soils. And then there's egg, like light diffuser on top of that, and the eggs are sitting on that light diffuser, so they're not touching that APS, which is is wet. But um, if I had a bigger egg box with an opaque lid. I could add, like, I would add more than, instead of just one pothos clipping, like, one leaf, I would do, like, a strand of polydendron or something right. that's already starting to root, and I would probably put it, uh, like, at least get some of the roots into the APS, because there's also a, a clump of damp sphagnum in there. Now, that's not on the light diffuser. That's to the side of it? It's on the light diffuser. It's just okay. the, uh, it's, a, it's one this. end, yeah. Right, right. And uh, I think that's helped a lot as far as, like, Almost like a bavetta pack would with, with cigars. Yeah. Like any extra moisture yeah. is probably soaking up. It's keeping, it's maintaining. Yeah. Um, now, not to you know keep you going in a bunch of different directions, but going back to you burping it every so often, um, are you getting any condensation on the lid? Is, is that because you're burping it? No, I think it's just because it's at like the right humidity level. Like it's not, it's not overstanding water like a lot of people do. Like the, the substrateless right incubation stuff that people are doing right this is my first time using APS for snake eggs um I really and I thought for for a while that 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 stuff is probably the best incubation medium to use mm-hmm. it's a lot like perlite where it is like a clay porous material but the difference is this is like with perlite you can't tell when it's dry right right this APS like I've, I've showed it a couple episodes back um I mean, it- you can tell when APS is drying when it's wet. They're two completely different colors. Very much like vermiculite. Yeah. 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 I mean, probably better than vermiculite because vermiculite's gray and then darker gray. Yeah. This, it like, starts out as, like, a very light terracotta, and then when you get it wet, it's a much deeper, like, great brown. 
Oh, wow. Okay. It holds humidity really well. It's porous, so water can, like, move through it. Um, so I think you get better air exchange. You get better air circulation mm -hmm. with that. Um, unlike vermiculite, which, you know, at the bottom of that, you're probably not getting a whole lot. Yes. Yeah. Like, that's kind of the issue you have with vivariums, right? Is, like, when you have a false bottom and it ends up staying flooded and you have substrate in there water starts accumulating and gets to that substrate and there's plants rooting in there it kills it because uh basically like that water becomes uh anaerobic is the word for it or anabolic and the plants just die yeah. because it's it's drinking funky water there's bacteria loaded so in there yeah. yeah and they just rot so yeah um with this i think when you have that air circulation and that's part of why i want to try plants in an incubator box is a when you do get late term and more of that heat builds up and there's more gas exchange going on like that plant can can take some of that burden off but also supply fresh oxygen mm -hmm. um so it's something i want to play with and, and experiment with more i think it's it's pretty uh i think it worked i mean it looked great in the pictures you showed me and now i feel dumb that i was there and forgot to look at it it's uh Oh, yeah, here we go. What do you got? Let's see. Computer's kind of far away from us, so I can see people saying stuff, but I uh, can't really make it out because I'm also blind. Um, Randy said the embryo was scared of the light. Um, Matt at Arboreal Obscurity said the umbilical was knotted around the nigriceps I showed you, and it was tight, and I left him alone and just put him into a tub, and it was detached by the morning. Still, it should still, it should still dry up. He never candled that clutch. Um, Cox said we were together. Together. Anaerobic bacteria is what Matt said. So, yes. yeah. I mean, it's just... I prefer like funky, you, Matt. You want air circulation and that yeah. kind of stuff. Gotta have shit breathe. You know? um, but, I mean, we may never know exactly what what causes that umbilical nodding. But I'm interested to play with the egg box thing more. I'm definitely... I want to try that APS with Tondro eggs. Mm -hmm. Um... Like, I haven't had to add water at all yet. Yeah. Like, not. Like, I can look at it, and I can still see condensation where the, like, the APS is. Mm -hmm. But there's not condensation on the side. There's not condensation on the lid. Um, that could be because I am burping it regularly, but that's, like, ideally the first two weeks of incubation, you don't, you want it to be sealed. You don't want any air exchange. Right. It's not until they start developing heat and there's gas exchange going on because those... Embryos and those those neonates are still like they're they're growing. You know, there's, there's processes that are happening late term that aren't happening short term or uh, early term, and so <clears throat> um, ventilation does matter late term because that's like I said that gas you get gas buildup and stuff like that in there. Uh, you know, those eggs are essentially breathing right uh, at a point. I think having a plant in there will help with that. But I just still think to have some sort of uh, ventilation in there that you could just pinholes. Doesn't have to be anything major. Right. Um, pinhole, like the smallest drill bit you can find, drill some, maybe a hole in like each corner of the lid, cover it up with masking tape. And as you get later into that term, you just pull that tape off. And that's enough just to sort of vent up a little bit. Sure, sure. That's the other thing, too. You'll notice a lot of people. Breeding, you know, condors and some other stuff like late term, the temperature drops. Like they drop the temperature. 
because those eggs are producing so much more heat, they're almost cooking themselves. If you keep them at like a stable, um, you know, 86 or whatever, if you temp gun those eggs late term, like two weeks before they're supposed to hatch, you're probably looking at slightly higher than that. It's so interesting that, that like ectotherm is making its own mm-hmm. very very interesting i just i also think it's it's interesting that where you are is a high humidity area i mean essentially it's very swampy around here mm-hmm. but i would say you have the same if not maybe a little more at times of the year humidity than i do in south florida but i worry about opening the egg container frequently because of mold because mold is so prevalent in South Florida, I've seen so many yeah. eggs go bad from somebody simply checking it, you know, every two, three weeks. And Cox said, why not run a bubbler in the water basin to help with humidity? Which, I mean, I did that with the Condro Clutch. Like I had, uh, I did what Justin Wilbanks did, which was have a, basically a, a tub of water in the incubator, like the actual chamber. And that just boosted because obviously if you've got heat in there, that water's evaporating and you're making that whole, like not the egg box, but the incubator itself, you're making the humidity bump up in there, Um, which, I mean, it did that without a bubbler, but if there was a way to add a bubbler, uh, A, you have to find a way to put it in the box and have it sealed. And then B, you'd have to have one that you can, regulate how much power is going to it because obviously you don't want it on like full blast where all that humidity and water is literally like just constantly moving and moving eggs and just you want it i'd want it as on like the lowest setting possible but i don't know if that exists or not i'm sure it does yeah they have those uh those those bubblers that are used for like emergencies like during a hurricane or a blizzard or something where they take 2d batteries Mm mm-hmm those you can, I know I've had them where you can turn them down super low, almost to the point where it's like one bubble every, you know, three or four seconds. So I mean that might work. But you'd have to drill a hole in the bottom, run your tubing, and then have some sort of gasket or something. Yeah. To seal it out. So yeah. I don't know. Or, or honestly, if you had a short enough hose, see that's the other thing too. Is I wonder is. The reverberation off of the battery-powered bubbler, even if you change the batteries every that once a week, because those bubblers go. Yeah. Well, I have one in that that cat filter. Oh, that's right. And I have to. I put it on a piece of paper towel. I like fold it because mm-hmm. on that metal racket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had to like dampen it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think incubation is one of those things that, like, we figured out what worked, and no one's really played with it a whole lot to see. Yeah. You know, one of those things like, okay, we know this works. We're not well on the chance. Yeah. Experimenting with eggs and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I get it. Um, but with this next condor clutch, I'm legitimately this time tempted to do maternal. Um, Go for it. You know, I talked to Tim Morris a good bit, and he's he's told me, like, I don't understand why people are so scared of it. Because you think about it, when he produced all his stuff back in you know, the 90s and early 2000s, he did MI, like, it's like, I don't know why people are so scared of it. It worked fine. Yeah. It's, it's just one of those things where you just got to be smart about it. It's really not work on this trip. Well, it's actually funny not to change subjects real quick because I do love talking. I want to talk about MI a little bit. We have actually a special guest here tonight. Would you care to introduce our special guest, Justin? My daddy. 
Justin's father is here, who not only does smoke cigars on the regular, he's also an accomplished snake breeder. So, What's Mr. Smith, snake? would you like to join us? <laughs> I'll just watch. Mr. Smith, come, come, come join us. Tell us what you're smoking. It's the best man on my wedding. Come, come join us. Hey. I don't think you can even see him back there. Not enough light? I'm uh, using a little bit. You want me to provide the light? It's all good. I'm not gonna blast my dad with a flashlight. I know. I wouldn't I'm blast blind him. He's already old. I would shoot the umbrella above his head. Oh, okay. it, it will illuminate him. It will make him illuminate. So but Randy said, uh, "Hasn't there been studies on monitors being able to generate uh, some of their own heat?" And I believe there was. And I think chondras, chondras do do a degree too when you do maternal incubation. Like you see the female. Like her face, sort of in the middle of that beehive, and whether that's her like respirating on those eggs to bump up humidity, or if that's her using her pits to check basically yeah. what things yeah. are at, we're not entirely sure. Um, I know, like Tim Morris mentioned in the in the Mister Blue article in the last issue of the magazine, that they wondered if like if you had some way to cover those females' pits while they were maternal incubating. What differences would you see? Like, would they not be able to regulate? Would they not be able to tell what their eggs are at? Um, right, right. And you know, you see them doing the uh, like the muscular twitches, the mm -hmm. friction to generate heat and stuff like that. Shivering. And there's been plenty of guys, Tim Morris included, that have put like thermal probes into that beehive and watched the temperatures for the first two weeks. They're fairly stable. Um, like, I want to say they start lower. And then you see a spike about mid incubation okay. mm -hmm. term. And then close to the end, like the last week or two, you see the temperature drop again. And so, like, that's been done multiple times, and I think the result was fairly similar. So, I mean, there is something to Now, I wonder, has anyone actually used a legitimate thermal camera? And basically, so. you know, obviously you can only have your DVR or your, your card last so long in terms of recording, but I imagine... Excuse me, if a, if, a, if a breeder puts a thermal camera on the beehive and whether they check the footage every day and then reset it or, you know, put it in fast forward and watch the spikes. And you could even use that thermal camera. Some of these some of these thermal cameras like FLIRs and stuff or, uh, or they have a Bluetooth capability. Thanks, Mike. And they can catalog all of those analytics like a data data logger yeah data logger all, all that analytics can be put into the computer where you can actually see like time of day in relation to the lights or you know oh we had a cold front come in or a low pressure system come in did, you know did mom increase temp or decrease temp depending right. on the low pressure system or however it was I mean, well i think it's a lot easier in a captive environment because obviously we're keeping there's a lot more stability as far as right right you know if you have you drop your thermostat and your, your heat panel down, you know, to the low 80s. Um, some people even do it kind of in the mid 80s mm -hmm. just to make it easier for moms to have to work as hard. Personally, right. I think I'd rather have a little cooler just in case. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, there's actually, so, you know, the, the temp guns, like those yellow and black ones? Sure. They make a model that has, like, a thermal camera on it almost where you can, like, point at things. And I've been see, thinking about getting one, but they're, like, 150, 200 bucks. And you can find them on Amazon. They're freaking. Let's see if I can pull it up. Actually, yeah, man. I mean, no, so, that'd be cool to play with just to well, see. All right, Fleer has a. I don't know if you're familiar with the mobile uh, credit card readers for small businesses that plug into the bottom of an iPhone. 
they actually plug into the micro USB or the iPhone, you know, power jack, lightning cord jack, whatever you call it. And it's a credit card scanner. It's a little credit card swiper. And they even have a chip one now. Well, FLIR designed a, for lack of a better word, a, a phone case that snaps onto the bottom of your phone. And it is a thermal camera. And your phone screen is the viewer, is the, is the viewing screen. And that, I'm pretty sure that's only like two or 300 bucks. So you could buy that, and that's a legitimate FLIR thermal camera where it can tell you everything from the gradients of electrical cords within drywall, mm -hmm. or it could tell you you know, how hot your stove is and make sure that your, your coils in your stove, your electricity in the stove is running away. So if it's capable of doing that, and it's on your phone, you know, rock and roll, I'm sure that they make other units that are smaller and affordable that you can plug into some kind of you know small... You know, hard drive DVR or whatever, or even just a normal laptop. Yeah. Or, I mean, you, you wouldn't even have to necessarily do that. You could just take a temperature three times and a six-inch circumference and log that, like, add up the average or the mean right, of that, but, and then just log it in a right, but I'm spreadsheet. I want to watch this thing do what it's doing at three in the morning. You know what I mean? When, when, mm -hmm. when we're away or we're asleep or whatever, I, I want to observe that in, in regard or get the data from that and see how much mom really is, you know, keeping the eggs yeah. good or if it's just appearing that way. I actually, uh, I've never bred carbon pythons and I have several now and I actually got a trio of IJs on purpose because I wanted to do one incubation and one MI. So providing in the next, probably next year, they should be good. Maybe the year after that, depending on what's what. I hope that both females take from the one male. And if that happens, I'm going to, I'm going to do just that. I figure, you know, screw it, roll the dice, see what happens and see which one I do better at. Oh, by the way, I sent you two pictures. Here's one. I was going to put it, I was going to put it on there, but if your phone is not linked to it's not, it's not, so then $269. But it's like a handheld, yeah, thermal camera, basically. Yeah. So that kind of thing would be really interesting to use, mm -hmm. and not even that, just to like not just to use on females that are that are nesting, but on snakes that are perched, like yeah. being able to see, like, okay, at the hot spot, if I have my panel set at 80. And you, you know, the snake is under it. Like, what's the snake reading? What's the snake getting out of that? When I'm cooling, what are they at? You know, and then you can kind of look at the frequency of how often they're moving. Um, you can also see small stuff like that. You can get a lot of data on this. You can also see where, if there's a hot spot, if there's a cold spot, you know, uh, you can see the actual ambient temperature of it because it's going to be a different hue in whatever spectrum mm -hmm. the camera's using. Yeah, I mean, there's a few options on Amazon. There's a thermal camera that you plug into your phone. Is that what you're talking about? Oh, is it made by FLIR? Yeah. That's it. 200 bucks. 200 bucks. There you go. And I feel like even if you got one of just the basic models of this, like you could, you could learn a lot from it, I think. Yeah. I feel like that's that's two or 250 bucks well spent. Here's one that's 219 There you go. You know? It's just small stuff like that. It just doesn't. Yeah. I mean that, and I mean it'd just be fun, just out of curiosity. To, not even just on the condos, but you know, 
the cyania and, and corn and yeah, dart frogs. Mm-hmm. And of course, the incubator. or eggs. That was just yeah. an incubator. Like look at them early and then look at them late. Yeah, and see you know log obviously your temperatures, but see the difference of like. This is how much heat they're putting out. Right. Like maybe once a week. Just done. Yeah. Record that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great idea. Dad brought up a good point. So that'd be a good way to tell what's 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 alive and what's not in a clutch. Yeah. Because obviously if the egg's dead, it's not producing heat. Right. So that might be worth investigating. I totally agree. Well, is anybody saying anything? We're so far away. Thomas said the more data we know, the better. Of course. Um, Randy is currently building a new incubator, and Cox sent us a link to those uh, bubblers he was talking about. Oh, nice. So those pictures I sent you, should I send them to you on Facebook? Or do we not care? Let me see. I got one of them. The other one I sent? I just got that one. Oh, no. I sent you the other one's better, actually. Cuppin said that's a steal of 200 bucks. The lowest one I saw was 219 and I'm sure on Prime there's free shipping. So. I don't know if that's even going to translate well. What is that, Phil? What you? That Where is, is my, it? It's at Billy's house. Oh, okay. Are you just going to pick it up on your way back? No, I'm going to have Oh, okay. Because <laughs> I saw you got it, and I was like, is he just driving like driving around with it? Oh, these chairs are gigantic. Awesome. I'm too short for these chairs. So, we'll fix this. Oh, you can ditch that red pillow. I'm going to. Here. So this, ladies and germs, is my new Jaguar. You can close the color gets better. Jaguar carpet produced by Billy Hunt at Ubami Reptiles. Oh boy, Billy. Isn't he gorgeous? It's my first Jag. And what I find incredibly interesting is that the, oh, the mom to that animal. Can you have pictures of parents? Uh, he sent them to me. The mom to the animal. It's, it's River. Is. Uh, no, it's not River. It is the, 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 either the mom or the dad. Fuck, I think it was the, the dad was owned by Jacob Ross. Yeah. Jake was trying to explain it to me last night. He's like, no, it's that male I sent him. And I was like, no, Kay and Max. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, I recognize the male. So. Jake's just got so much stuff. Yeah, and Kay, the, the mother, is a caramel coastal from Jake that was produced by Mutton. Mm -hmm. And then Max is just a straight jag that I don't know where that came from. Billy sent it to me, and it's not here. It's, I think it's in Facebook. I got to go look at Facebook. Look at Sean. He's in? John! He likes the Jag. Nice. Yeah, that Jag is screaming 
literally good looking, feisty as hell. And uh, I'll be honest, it's probably going to just be a pet snake. Um, <laughs> Billy thinks I should try and put it to one of those Urian Jaya's. But uh, realistically, I think it's just going to be a pet snake because I think it's going to be super duper light. Billy says it's going to be super duper light. The parents are neon yellow. So uh, I'm eager to see what it turns into, man. I really am. And, uh, and Billy's it, also doing like he's getting into that Frankenstein realm where he's like, yeah, dude, bring it to the most odd thing you can. He's not Frankenstein quite yet, but he's he's, he's on the track. He's dabbling in you know connecting cadavers, so to speak. But he does have uh, so that one coastal he has river. He's gonna pair that up with a newer coastal that he got or he's had for some years now called Trinidad. And that animal is one of the best looking, if not the best looking coastal I've ever seen. It is slate gray with black hues and beautiful line work. It's got like two solid lateral lines because, you know, Billy loves them lines. And uh, I'm very eager to see what that turns into because I have no aspirations of coastals at all, but those animals look tip top. Hey, here's some of these Natrix. I wonder if that's, wonder if that's the ones that uh, JT got. Wow, those adults look real good. Huh. What? That must be them. I don't know. Those, the... the... It, that's Matrix Natrix, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now, either Jeff or Kendra, I assume it's Jeff, said now you need a Doomerals. No, no, no doomerals for me. I had, I worked for a breeder about 12 years ago who bred doomerals and I enjoyed them a lot. And then I was actually offered a pair of Malagasy ground boas, but I didn't have the. I haven't seen those for sale in a long time. I think they were 12,000 for the pair. And they were zoo stock that were legitimately imported. They were wild caught juveniles that were legitimately imported with zoo docs. And it wound up going to another friend of mine. He sprung for them and he produced one litter, sold every baby, I think, for like three or four K a piece. And that was it. And they're gone. That I regret. That I should have done because those things were awesome. And Miguel said Billy's collection is insane. I want to get on his Colubrid level. Billy has good taste. Billy, Billy likes immaculate taste. Billy likes a lot of really cool stuff. And Sean said, "Let you should make albino granite bread like Carpondros." I won't lie. When I when I when Billy wrote my name on the tub, because obviously I wasn't going to take you know the snake all the way here. And yeah, he wrote my name on the tub. I literally said to him, I "Swear to God," I said, "Now I have a reason to buy a con." So that did cross my mind. It did. It's fun to think about. Sure. Like crossing up brettles to a, to a chondro or inland or any of those other subspecies of carpet that no one is doing much with. Like a Darwin cross with that, you know. Yeah. Be interesting to see. If it was a female, I would totally throw a Darwin to it. Because I have, my Darwins are posads, so I'm interested mm -hmm. to see what the hell's yeah. swimming up inside them. But, uh, Literally. Literally, the um, here's my thing. 
I would do, I would totally do a Jag Pondro and then from there do that to a Gretels. But I only want, if, I only want like one egg. Then get a bowl of, uh, I want one egg in a bowl. Oh yeah, okay. But like, no, I want like one egg. I don't need the whole clutch because I'm going to have a whole clutch and be like, oh my God, what am I going to do with them? Nobody wants these Frankenstein mutts. You know what I mean? I just want, I just want one. <laughs> Good luck. Right? Jeff said, uh, Billy's collection is goals for sure. Yeah, legitimately. And, and it's interesting because I was only at Billy's about a month and a half, two months ago with Casey. And we saw probably, I would say maybe 65, 70% of the collection. And then this trip, I got to see the rest of it. And he actually acquired a bunch more animals since then. Uh, some really, really great beauties and some uh, Lafayette Coronada. Uh, locality specific Coronado, which is fantastic. Those things are so awesome. They're just starting to change and they're just starting to get their pattern from their baby colors. And uh, it's just awesome the diversity that Billy has. Well, he's, I mean, it gets said a lot, but I mean, he's a prime example of like keep and breed what you like. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's not what, not what people think is cool per se. It just happens to be that his animals are freaking cool. Yeah. You know, like a lot of people don't want to deal with the beauties and the, mm-hmm. you know, the chaos of the Matthias and stuff like that. But yeah, you know, if you like it, go for it. You know, the Ganya Soma for me. You think that thing was big enough to breathe? Probably. I think I could. If it was in the wild, small clutch. If it was in the wild, it would be able to have already bred. So, yeah, legitimate. I think I'm going to pair them up next year, though. Yeah, give me a year to settle into your house. and Like early next year. Yeah. Maybe once I warm up all the other stuff up, when I start pairing the corns and the bears, yeah. I'll pair them. I would do that. That'll give me some time to get some size on. I got to uh, help Billy feed some animals, and the bird eater, dude, I was, I was not expecting that animal. To do what it did, he I had a frozen thought fuzzy on hemostats, and he says, "Hey, take the whole drawer out, put it on the table, because this thing's gonna fly around." And I said, "What do you mean fly around?" I I, I imagined it being like an Amazon tree boa, and basically sit there and just pop at you. Right, right, right. No, this thing did full pinwheel strikes, spread itself out, stretch stretch itself out like a cobra, then do more pinwheeling as its mouth is open, just trying to bite whatever's in front of it except for the fuzzy and he's like dude just be patient it's gonna bite it. it's gonna bite it and like after a good like maybe two minutes it finally nabbed it and just slurped it down it was amazing absolutely amazing and their mouth is so wide so wide it's almost like a it's almost like a like a large mouth bass <laughs> very impressive after seeing those like i haven't seen those in person yet but seeing those and that's pelotes dude, I'm like those are right up my, my mexican those are right up there. Just Dude, this picture I took, it just, literally, we were, we were cleaning cages, we were feeding stuff, and Billy's like, hey man, do you mind holding this Belotis while I clean his cage, because he took a big poop in the corner. I said, sure. And like, I wasn't I wasn't expecting this animal to honestly look this good. This animal is, is just- the one he got from you, did you? No, this is the, the one, one he bought. got, um, I can't remember his name. Regardless. Did you get it from I don't show that. 
That is one hell of an animal. Picture does not do it justice. It has so many different hues of color. It's just absolutely awesome. Yeah, that's pretty wild. Mm-hmm. So, it's seeing the one you brought up at Daytona though. It's pretty cool. Yeah, man. And I'll tell you what. That animal, the parents are very, very black. Very black. There's, you'd like that picture on Instagram of that super dark irregular. Oh, yeah. See that? I yeah. saw that earlier, and then I saw you. I was going to show you, and then I saw you. Like, yeah. Oh, that's nuts. That's awesome. Man. Crazy cool. Yeah. Yes. Very cool. Almost Negrosep's cool. It's like those, uh, those melanistic cyanodon. Uh, I don't think I've seen that. Those things are bad. What's it look like? Like a really, really dark side of Does it still have pattern though? A little bit. Not a whole, not a ton. Yeah. Like almost like it like got burnt. Interesting. It looks really cool. It's on now. You probably see it on, on the Google machine. Well, yeah, man. Actually, let me see. I think it's really good. So you know what it is. Yeah, man. I, uh, I've had a hell of a trip for, uh, for playing with cool animals and. Seen a bunch of badass Morelli in there. Are we both looking for the same thing right now? I don't know. <laughs> oh man, that looks awesome. That looks so cool. It's almost like a. Uh, Almost like a habu-y kind of color. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. That's super awesome. Okay, fair. Like, but now, is that like you burn it? But is that considered melanistic though? I think it is legitimately. Really? Yeah. See, when I think melanistic, I think jet black. You know what I mean? Well, you think about how light they are naturally. I feel like that's, that's, a pretty, that's a pretty normal level for mm. them. And speaking of cyanide. I, uh, before I left for my excursion to, uh, for this trip, I was, you know, spot cleaning cages and I, I, I went to top up some water dishes and you know, feed some animals that I knew would eat and be good for the time I was gone. I said, you know, let me throw that side on two, uh, chicken chicks, you know, that should hold them over for the time I'm gone. Now that animal has never eaten in front of me. I put the chicks in there. He was, he was in the water bowl, just chilling. And, uh, of course, I checked him for mites. I know what you're thinking. And um, I turned around. And I think I was I was digging around in a rack or I was doing something. And my back was to him. And uh-huh. I couldn't have been more than five or six minutes. And I turned back around to get, like, a roll of paper towels or a spray bottle or something. And I see him slithering into his cave with one of the chicks in his belly. And I was like, that sneaky son of a bitch. All I want to do is get a picture of him actually eating. And it just, just ghosted me. They eat fast. Dude, just ghosted me. Well, Cyania, like, I, I put those fuzzies in there. Why fuzzies? Mm-hmm. It's like the same thing. I turn my back and they're gone. Like, snakes know where to be found. Mice just vanish. Like, wow. They eat stupidly. Have you ever fed them frozen dog? Mm-hmm. You'll see. Like, gone. I mean, they inhale them. It's crazy. Yeah, I wanted to stick around and, you know, make sure he ate that other chick, but I imagine that he would just honestly just probably come back out and eat it when I left. Yeah, and that's, I've, I've pretty much just come to the, the resolution with my boy here that just dropped the eat and go eat it. My male, I expect to still see the mouse in there the next morning. 
but the female, like, I know if it's alive, if it's frozen solid, she's, she's going to eat it. This has been the same with the Jansen I just drop it in there and ignore it, and they're gone. Like, even the male, like, the male is even more shy than the female is. And I just dropped it, I left it on the hide somewhere where I could see it. Like, I know I didn't forget about it, and, like, you know, the foliage or whatever. It's gone the next day, so. And I it's, it's kind of eerie almost how similar those Ganyasoma have been to the Cyanian as far as, like, behavior and like, habits. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it's just an Asian thing. Maybe. Maybe. I pretty much treated the Jansenite the exact same as how mm-hmm. I've kept the Cyania, and they've been flawless. Nice. Which, when I fixed that light earlier in there, I had mm-hmm. my hand in there, and it was so warm in that tub that for a second I thought the heat panel was on. I put my hand on that. Was like, right. I didn't know the scent. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. It was just, like, I've been keeping those no heat. And for whatever reason, maybe it's those lights that throw off enough to just boost the ambience. But yeah, because you figure the LEDs themselves, they don't put off heat. The, the, the actual light emitting diode does not put off heat. But you still have power circuits in that like strip. Current. Yeah, like the current or your ballasts or whatever the hell mm-hmm. is up in there. I don't know. I'm not the electric dude, but. It's got to put off some kind of heat. It has to. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, for that eight hours a day or whatever, that might be enough just to keep it ambient at, at 80 or whatever. And I put the, I took that, I have one surviving Gobi unit, the other one crapped out on me because right. I kept it in the egg box. Uh, I put it in there overnight. Like, I hung it from one of the perches because mm-hmm. I didn't want it on the surface. I mean, like getting the air temperatures. And uh, I checked it because I was like, I was worried that, Maybe they weren't getting enough heat because um, they are a species that people would say you have to keep warmer and you have to be more <laughs> humid. Uh, but I put that little goby in and checked it, and I mean, we're looking at like low 80s, which is pretty much exactly where I want. Yeah. And I did the same with that. I have a condor that hasn't had heat in a long time. Mm-hmm. He's been ambient. Like, we're talking like upper 70s, low 80s still. Yeah. No issues with that snake. Awesome. Heat's fine. Like, and that's where those little goby units come in handy, little data loggers. Um, you know, if you want to check something, you want you have to leave it in there for a few hours. Ideally, you want to leave them in there like overnight just to kind of see like what your daytime temps are looking. If you have a window in your room, that's going to raise your ambience. Um, but then at nighttime, I, I shut off a lot of heat on some of the racks. And I shut off lights, and that definitely cools things down a bit. Um, now, but being able to have those data loggers is, is pretty good. Yeah, does that have an LCD screen like a Tamagotchi? Or you no, a, it's an app. It's an app, okay. They make a model that has like a screen on it, yeah. but those are more expensive. I just get the ones. So it's basically like the Boba the Butler. Exact same thing. Exact same thing. Okay, an electronic and device. They're like the same price, because I thought about buying some of those Butlers. Yeah, yeah. Because I was like, these surely have to be cheaper than other stuff. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they're not. The Gobies are the same price. Okay. Interesting. Very cool. Very cool. So I have, when I return to South Florida, I have a three-foot display vision. Mm-hmm. So that's, it's 36 by like 28 tall by like 24 deep. And I, have yeah. three, I have three of them like, stacked on top of each other. And the top one has the signing on. And then the middle one was the scrub. And now it's empty. And then below it, there's nothing. It's, it, I've never put anything in there. I literally am using it as a stand, which is a horrible idea. I know. 
It's a waste of valuable real estate. It's an expensive stand. It's an expensive stand, yeah, but it, but it was worth it. So that one that had the scrub in it, um, it has some deformity, or not deformity, I want to say thinness of the plastic that has been grossly you know, melted from a heat lamp or, oh, heat yeah. tape or something. It's still safe enough to put venomous in, but it's unsightly. So I was actually thinking about doing a, I don't want to say bioactive, but a naturalistic enclosure in there to kind of cover that up a little bit. Mm -hmm. So I have three ideas that I'm running with, um, and they're all animals that I already have. Uh, I was either going to do some kind of fake, like, cypress trunks with, like, cypress knots mm -hmm. and leaf litter and do a copperhead. Or I was going to do fake, I want to say termite mound, but like rocky, deserty, termite mound-ish looking thing for the male brettles. That would be cool. Or I was going to do a like granite and slate rock escarpment type of thing for the Franklin Mountain weapons. Like, that was called with two. So I actually decided I'm going to get one of those stick-on backgrounds. The vinyl ones I was talking mm -hmm. about last show, and put that on the backdrop with a, an impressive photo, and then build the enclosure around that, so I can have like, so it looks like that's the horizon. You know what I mean? Of whatever I decided to do, whether it be fucking Uluru or it's you know Franklin Mountain itself, or it's you know the swamps of Beaufort, South Carolina, whatever. <laughs> um, but the question is, which one do I do? So I would say. Because I feel like that's a little easier to pull off. It's a little easy. Like, you can make it look good. You're not going to have to hunt down, like, cypress ninjas and stuff like that. Yeah, I was going to make them, though. I'm going to get like, foam. Uh, and like just carve them? Like, yeah, I was just going to, like, shave them down, make cypress knees, cypress you know, cover them in grout or whatever, mm -hmm. so they have the right texture. Use, like, for the dark frog backgrounds, mm -hmm. do that great stuff foam. Yeah. And then you can get like that GE brand silicone from Lowe's. It's like 100% natural. Right. And they have like a clear of black and brown. Well, what I was thinking about doing is taking... just coated in uh, like eagle Yeah. So just paint that silicone on and before it's dry, mm -hmm. you just cover it. Cover it in eagle and let it dry as is. Yeah. And then all the excess will come off. Mm -hmm. Well, I was actually thinking to do like those cypress knees... I was actually thinking about doing uh, some kind of board, like a piece of like a piece of PVC plastic board, and then glue the knees to that. That way, they don't they're not going to fall over. They're not well, going to You wouldn't even have to glue it because if you use that great stuff foam, once that stuff's yeah. on a surface, it ain't coming off. Okay. Could I squirt it and make like a, yeah. like a snow cone, like a sandcastle, like a sandcastle yeah. snow cone thing? Yeah. Then maybe that's what. But again, that's all dependent on what species. Or, I mean, even if you had, you took like a five-inch piece of PVC pipe, right, and just went around it. Mm -hmm. I actually thought would, about doing that, that for yeah. like termite mountain type thing. Mm -hmm. I don't think I would do it with a snake because a snake's going to go in there and just never come out. And yeah. if I ever had to get it out of you, horrible yeah. time. But something like if I ever do get my dream of Pilbara rock monitors. I would totally make like fake turnout mounts. Do you know what you could even do? And have a PVC pipe inside it. You could make get like uh like black box enclosures makes they take extra the extra excess PVC they have, they make hides out of. Okay. 
And I talked to Jen about making like an egg box where um, like the base, like the top basically goes over the base. Almost like a gift box. Yeah. You know, where it sits inside. Yeah. Um, if you did something like that and then built that termite mound on top of that, but then Take put a hole that goes into it oh, that's through a PVC pipe where it's removable, like they yeah. can still go in it, but you can get access to it when you need yeah. to, and then find it's, some way, like take excavator clay or something. Sure, sure. Around it. That's what I'm saying. Take excavator clay on the lid, yeah. but make it so that it matches when you drop it in there. You can't see that there's like a seam basically where the right, off. Right. Like that would be super easy to do. Well, and it looked good. What I was thinking about doing is so, you know, like Exoterra or Zoomed has those uh, hide rocks. Mm-hmm. Where basically the lid of the rock comes off and it's for you know your leopard gecko, or your cave gecko, or whatever. I thought about doing something like that where basically I get a honestly, I was thinking about getting like a rock, a fake rock water dish, mm-hmm. right? And then using the excavator clay with PVC pipe to make the termite mound, but at the base where the where the where the actual stem of the the, sh- the shaft of the termite mound meets the, the rock bowl, wax paper. Because then it will it'll solidify and I can take the top off, okay. peel off the wax paper, and it will literally fit perfectly right. back on top. Like your box you were talking mm-hmm. about. But again, that's all depending on what species I decide to go with. Right. We should put it to a snakes and stogies vote. Well the I guess the you have to plan obviously depending on what you're putting in there, you have to plan for the animal to grow. So you yeah. don't want to use too thin of a piece, but you wanna use right. you rather wanna you wanna go bigger rather than smaller as far as diameter because you don't want your animal to get stuck. And that's the one thing I'm thinking about too. Again, forget the PVC, just the, the enclosure in general. Yeah. The only animal that will outgrow that is the brothers. Mm-hmm. So what if I was doing you know a central Australia, you know, southern northern territory enclosure whatever it is i need to have an animal to go in there when i take his big ass out that that was my only thing so like your male brittles definitely would not fit in that enclosure appropriately it's way too big mine's got another year or two before he's that big but still oh did you you ever soak that bears no okay so yes anybody who's watching this and or listening feel free to message me with your comments or thoughts Facebook, Instagram, whatever, and uh, probably maybe not next week, but maybe the week after, I'm going to start to do it. So uh, that would be a fun build. What the, the termite mound thing? Just the, like that termite mound, like removable. Well, dude, it all stems from my obsession with that one Tal Hicks painting of the Brettles python stalking the Amii. Like, that is one of my all-time favorite paintings. And I keep telling myself how I'm going to buy a print from Eco Universe. I keep forgetting to do it. Maybe I'll do that next week, too. But, like, that quintessential southern, northern territory, central Australia, that I want, I want that enclosure. I, do. I think that I want that, but I know that it's stupid to do it in that size of an enclosure because the damn snake's going to outgrow. Patrick Holmes said copperheads are badass and naturalistic enclosures. They will utilize all types of cage furniture. They're very active and interactive. Yes. And my copperhead is, not to sound, you know, cocky, my copperhead is exceptionally good looking for a southern copperhead. Is that the one with the weird, like the different, odd colored head? Yeah, I mean, his head's fucking gold. Yeah. 
the only problem is, I, I don't know if you people remember, but he had horrible shed problems like his entire life. Mm-hmm. And I finally got him shedding beautiful in the uh, CD70 drawer. And I just checked him again before I left. And he had a bad shed. So he got it all off. He doesn't have any shit on him. But instead of it coming off in one piece, it's flaked off like a, like a gecko. But I'll be right back. I don't know. I really haven't. I've, the only thing I've done Vivaria or naturalistic setups for is dark frogs. Um, I've never been big on doing those for like reptiles, um, especially chondros. But it would be fun to play around with like that sort of. I don't know what the best word is for like. The hidden hide where it's removable, but when you put it in there, it's completely, uh, like you wouldn't notice it. Um, and that kind of stuff would be easy to do, you know. Especially with like a small monitor like Aggies or something. But you got some water? That's like, I was just saying while you were gone, like the only thing I've, I've done, Bavaria or, I don't like to say bioactive, I prefer to say naturalistic because yeah. I feel like that's a little more accurate to what it is. Right. Like I have naturalistic enclosures that could be bioactive if I finished the bioactivity. Mm-hmm. Like on my girdle tail lizards, if I could get them to not eat the cleanup crew, <laughs> it would be bioactive. That's the only problem. Is they eat literally any kind of arthropod that's put in there, they consume. I literally saw them licking isop- or licking uh, springtails off the rocks. So, I'd do it though. Like, I feel like Boyga would do really well in, in a naturalistic sure. setup. Jance and I would really appreciate a naturalistic setup. The only thing that I've found or read when I was looking, doing research on, on the Ganyasoma is like when you deal with bedding like cypress mulch and bioactive stuff, that humidity and that constant dampness. Mm-hmm. Apparently, Ganyasoma, in general, I guess, minus rhino rats, which I don't even know yes. they can even be yeah. considered like the true Ganyasoma, which is Octocephalum mm-hmm. and Jance and I. Uh, they, they're very prone to like skin infections. Sure. So, like, when I was talking to Rob Stone and when I was talking to Harlan, because uh, both of them have had tons of experience with Jance and I in particular, um, they were both like, I don't keep them on a particulate like that. Know, unless it's like dried, like cypress, if it's dried out, it's not damp. Mm-hmm. Um, and then apparently, the, I mean, mine haven't spent any time in the water bowls, but apparently it's not uncommon for them to soak a lot. But mine haven't been doing that. So, so it's probably a good, 
indication that they don't need to. Yeah, but like I, it would be awesome to do a naturalistic setup with Ganyasoma, but I just don't think it would work out as well as people want it to unless you're just keeping them drier, which I do keep mine drier as far as I don't miss them. Like, they're, like Just like conjures, if they're in a shed cycle, I'll miss them, but if they're not in a shed cycle, I don't, I don't need to miss them because I use bigger water bowls. And if you put your hand in those tubs, it's humid. Like You can yeah. feel it. Like it's definitely more humid than the rest of the room. So. But I also feel like as much as it would be awesome to do that, it's almost futile to do it. It's almost the same reason why most people, I'm not going to say nobody, but most people don't do bioactive closures with, like, say, Dramarcon. Because yeah. there's Destroy. so much, not even destroying it, there's it, it so much waste produced by the animal on a daily basis that the cleanup crew, can't keep up. they can't keep up with it. So you're still spot cleaning, you're still deep cleaning to a certain degree, you're just not going to do it as much because instead of instead of having to pick up 100% of the poo, you're only picking up 80% of it. Which it's, it's a waste, I might as well do the whole 100 not well, either that or like really like what you would normally the normal amount of isopods and spring tails you put in there, like double or triple down. Yeah, but now you run the, you run the whole thing of the animal being perturbed by insects per se. I don't know. Like, I would think something that small, like, yeah, like really I've seen benign. snakes in the wild that have you know flies land on it or mosquitoes land on it or whatever or ants get on it and the snakes twitching and flopping yeah get it off so i mean i don't know i don't know but also seeing how much the jants and i use those those mounted hides mm -hmm. you know if you offered that i feel like whether they're in like a simple setup like they're in that with puppy pads or they're in like a, a nice decked out naturalistic setup the behavior is going to be more or less the same like they're going to Staying up in there and hanging out. And they do have a humid hide. Like, on that floor hide, there is a bowl of, of damp sphagnum for them to sit on or whatever. And the male does seem to use it a lot because anytime I go to, like, clean the cage, it's usually, like, matted down pretty heavily. Um, the female, she's had the opposite. Like, I very rarely see her in the floor hide. She's almost always in the upper hide. So, I don't know. I mean, it's fun to think about. Like, the boiga, you can keep, I feel like you can keep it fairly damp. You're not going to have any problems. Right. There are, there are also species where... They, they remind me very much of cottonmouths in the sense of they love the water when they love the water. If they're, if it's too wet, they're going to get away from it. They're not like some other species that are just going to sit there and be like, and be miserable and get yeah. blisters. <laughs> right. So like I, on, on all my cottonmouths, I have big bases for them to swim in because it's the only true semi-aquatic semi -aquatic fiber. Very, very rarely, if not ever, do I see them in the water mm -hmm. because they are at, you know, ideal conditions and don't need to go swimming right. to hunt or swimming to hydrate or yep. whatever. Yeah. They lose that necessity of having to be nearby water because it's easy to get away. Right. Yeah. Or, or better yet, it's, that's their hunting ground per se. Mm -hmm. They don't have a hunting ground. The food is presented to them. Yeah. I will say, though, every single... Hey! <laughs> just got bit by a kitten. Um, I will say that every single one of them uh, defecates in the water. Which is which is great because it's double ball. You know. What are you doing, Kitty? Okay, it's fuzzy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus! 
waiting for it. <laughs> you set me up for that kick. But Mike said he does like bioactive closures. He's just too lazy to even think about it. I tried, man. I really did. I tried with the girdle tails, and every single time I, I tried different species. I tried Florida native stuff. I tried you know white tropical, and those stupid lizards eat everything. I'm like, if it's an arthropod, they're consuming. That's it. So no one is safe. No one is safe from the Cordillas. No one is safe from the Cordillas. Alright. All these friggin' chairs. Now I get to be up close and personal with you savages. No, Mike, I'm not tapping out. This is so cool. I get to control this. I don't normally get to see all this. This is cool. I need Justin to give me the, uh, the controls to this because his internet conks out so many times that it'd be nice if I could, you know, share what you find folks are saying and so on and so forth. <laughs> Mike, I have no aspirations of getting a chondro in the least bit, if not for one reason, and that's to breed it to that Jag in the near future or distant future, I should say, just to be that guy. Oh man, there's a button to post everyone's comments that could be dangerous i guess it's not like you guys can't go on youtube and actually see it ah mike wants to know if i'm doing any hunting this year so i don't have any hunts set up specifically uh i have two friends that i do a lot of small game hunting with and last year they kind of went off on their own and because of my work and their work one of the guys got a new job that's very time consuming and um I know they went out, but I just couldn't get out. I just couldn't get out in the field. And uh, they've basically gone very much into upland birds or what very few upland birds we have in Southern Florida. Um, but this year I bought a brand new shotgun, not brand new, brand new to me. And uh, I want to shoot some birds with that. I'm probably going to do some dove and uh, really break in that gun. And uh, probably going to do some squirrel and rabbit and some of the smaller stuff. And uh, yeah. He's coming back. Florida whitetail. So I have never shot a deer in Florida because Florida whitetail are smaller than a Labrador retriever. And I'm not talking about key deer. I'm talking about actual normal whitetail, the same species that the rest of the country has in actual normal deer size. South Florida, they are this big. So I don't even try. Um, we always go for wild pig, a lot of wild pig. Um, so I try and get at least one a year if we can. And, uh, yeah, but I have those two guys I was telling you about. One of them went off on his own without us, shot a pig, used gloves and proper cleaning equipment and everything. And we're, most of the pigs down by us have pseudo rabies, which is from what I gather, completely harmless to humans, but very lethal to dogs. So we're always very cautious about blood and transmission and pathogens and all that shit. The guy got, um, not, what is it called? Uh, Swanabrucolosis, I think it is. 
And he fought that for like seven months because I guess he had a scratch in his hand and blood got in the glove or something. And he got that from Wild Pig. So I don't think he's going to be joining me on any pig hunts, but I'm going to try, man. I'm going to try this year. I won't get a tapeworm. No, tapeworm, please. Like most tapeworm <clears throat> cases come from pork. Well, that's because they don't cook it right. I'll tell you what, though. The best pork I ever had was uh, at one of our small game spots. They allow uh, hog hunting year-round. And there's a, a bunch of Argentinian dudes that go there. And they shoot a pig like every Sunday, at least one or two. And we were cooking up some eggs. I think I told the story before. And he, he, the guy came over. He goes, hey, uh, you want to uh, trade some pork that I just cooked for some eggs? Of course, man. Let's, let's swap, you know? And we're eating this pork. And it was the best pork I've ever had. And I said, hey, man, is this the pig you shot last Sunday? He goes, no, no, it's from the grocery store. It's from Publix. <laughs> and I was like, wait, so what do you do? He goes, oh, no, we just make that into sausages. So I was very, very let down, but it was still absolutely delicious. Um, I miss when we lived in Hawaii, we had Portuguese sausage. Yeah? What is Portuguese it sausage? change your life. What is it? And if you see any in the store here, and it's yeah. like Hillshire Farms, it ain't the same. Okay. People on the West Coast probably know. <clears throat> like, Portuguese sausage is legit. Yeah, but we're closer to Portugal. So good. It's more of an Asian thing, actually. Ah, uh, okay. Oh, and uh, Florida deer are not as small as coos deer. Um, but they're not they're not your normal whitetail. And a lot of them are not in the best of health because they're really fighting to survive in the glades. You know? So like everything else. Like everything else. Hmm. I'm very much looking forward to cooling things down and not having to feed. That is the nice thing about anything that requires cremation. Yeah. I have three months, four months. I've got another. Hoping I can stock up for like the year. Four, five, six, seven. I got another seven weeks to feed the shit out of my Gila monster, and I'm going to do explicitly what Rob Stone said to cool him or her. I'm going to try and do it this year. Gila's. Oh yeah. Yeah, I'm going to try and do it, man. I can't talk about Rockstone enough. The man's amazing. Dude. It's gross how awesome he is. Just say it. Yeah. I was literally going to make a shirt and put on a teespring that said Rockstone is my hero. And That's my one. Do it. Who's Rob Stone? I'll like, buy one. Let me tell you. I'll buy one. What's his favorite animal? We have to find out what his favorite animal is. He has so much stuff. Yeah, exactly. So he knows exactly what he likes and what he doesn't. We have to find out what his favorite animal is and get a silhouette of that on the shirt. And it just says, Rob Stone is my hero. Or get Adeline to make a logo. Sure. Like draw the animal, just the outline. Mm -hmm. Not like have to be shaded. Something that's be put on shirt easily. Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. I'd wear that with pride. Yep. You know, the NPR guys would, too. He's the man, dude. I'll never forget. I could, I could talk to him forever. The like, first time he messaged me was on Facebook, and he, he sends me a message that says, I honestly thought we were already Facebook friends. Why hasn't this happened yet? 
and I said, "Dude, I've been uh, I've been uh, man crushing over you for some time now. Now we're officially buddies, or whatever I said." He's just one of those guys, man. He's got anytime he's talking, you just you shut up. And you listen. Of course, like talking to Harlan. Mm-hmm. You just you, you don't have to, you don't have to say anything. You just sponge up every bit of information that you. Talking to him about feeders, like we had a whole long conversation on on Messenger just about feeders because he listened to like our episode of Kyle, cool, and uh, <clears throat> you know he's talking about you know love your feeders, like treat them like a pet, like yeah. take care of them. Don't don't think of them as just food, and so you just you know treat them like crap. Don't take care right. of them. Don't feed them right. Like truly, like love your feeders. Think about that every time I'm in there working on those things. Like, just when you want to be like, I everything in herpetoculture, whether it's breeding, even if it's just keeping, whether it's your breeding your own feeders, I mean, all this stuff, the, the, the details matter. Yeah, I mean, like, if you're selling animals, good quality animals start with good quality husbandry. Good quality feeders, mm-hmm. like the small stuff, really does add up. Like I think about that a lot. You know, with the magazine, like, the small stuff matters. Yeah. You know, the picture quality matters. Tag size matters. Font matters. Like that, all that stuff is what, even on a subconscious level, it, it really does make a difference. Yeah. I feel that with my collection. I feel that with reading. Like the little things are what really add up and what matters. Feel like if you want to everyone uses the whole like quality over quantity sort of motto and no but you can have quality all that starts and with. quantity but you're focusing on the quality you know the, the best beef i ever had in my entire life was the herefordshires that came off of my family's farm because i mean i can't tell you everything that went into that cow but that's that steer excuse me right but that was the best beef I ever had. Well, it's like you ever get eggs, like eggs from the store, right? And you ever right. have eggs from someone who has chickens? Yes, yes. That absolutely. feeds them like a variety. Like the difference in flavor is amazing. Have you ever had your grandma bring in the eggs and crack one in the frying pan, and there was a half-developed no. chicken, and she says, "Oops, looks like we're not eating that one." And you're like, no. eight, you're like eight years old. Never had that. Problem. That's how I learned about incubation. <laughs> That's how I learned about incubation. That was always my biggest fear. It was like one day that would happen, but it never did. Yeah. But it's just stuff like that. Like, I've said it a million times at this point, but like the feeders, I'm really enjoying it. I love knowing that I'm in control of what they eat. I know what they're eating. It was also hilarious to watch you try and steal almonds from your mom's cupboard. Yeah, my parents buy like these <laughs> giant bags of almonds, like just raw almonds. Always trying to sneak some. Was that Eliza Schlesinger? She said, just have a handful of almonds. Just a handful. The, the, the chick comedian, blonde, very attractive. She's make, making fun of people eating healthy. She's like, you know, just have a little handful of almonds. Just tell mom. Mom, the mice don't eat a lot of almonds. Just a handful. You just need to spoil them, man. Just spoil Because that's the thing, too, for me. It's like, you're breeding these things literally for them to die. Yeah. The At least make their time here yeah. and like spoil them. Yep. Like I'm 
when we're done with this, I'm probably going to go find some veggies and stuff in there and smuggle them out into that rat barn. I won't tell you not. Like I'm feeding some sort of refugee or something. <laughs> like E.T. E.T.'s out in the out the shed. I gotta go feed him some Reese's Pieces. There's a, there's a family of Bosnians <laughs> hiding in your shed. <laughs> I'm feeding some deer. I will say this, though. I don't know if you want to tell the people about this. Is I was shocked at the fact that Justin's mice are not cannibalistic, do not really knock on wood, don't fight with each other and maim each other, and they don't pick off offspring either. I think that boils down to just making sure they're well fed too. Yeah. Because I feel like if they are starving, right, they get desperate. They're like, sure, my babies are looking kind of delicious. Yeah, but I've also seen it where, for whatever reason, one of the moms goes, like this goes to the other mom and just murders her whole litter. Yeah. And I talked to Rob about that too. I was like, do you when you get some that are like infanticidal, do you just call them? Because yeah. I've noticed that previously when my dad was breeding mice years and years and years ago for corn snakes when I breed corns. Once they did that, it seemed to be a recurring problem. Like once they had taste for blood. Yeah. Yeah. They kept doing it. Uh-huh. So I asked and I think Rob was like, Yeah, if it seems like they're content, like if they do it repeatedly, they just need to be called. Clearly, they're of not sound. Yep. They've gone insane. Yep. Mad cow. Something. The um, I was actually going to ask you too: Is have you saved any blood pigs? No. Is that too small for the baby uh, cyanian? No. Because I was thinking about that. I was like, man, Justin should probably save some blood pigs. I probably should. There's actually some the, out there for the cyanian. When they hatch, it's hard. Like for whatever reason, pinkies are very hard to euthanize. You mean, like you can gas them, yeah. they don't die. So it's really weird. I don't know what it is. Like I don't know if they're just not breathing. Is it a time frame thing? Like the older mice? Yeah, done in seconds. Okay, pinkies. I feel like I'm sitting there for like twenty minutes. They're just, they're not, not that. And the, the, the gas is perpetually pumping in, or you just give it a quick and then turn it off? I usually leave it on for a couple seconds. Okay. Just to let the pillow like, fill I don't know. It's it's really strange. And I, I'm, I'm very weird about that, too. Like, I'm not into things suffering. I'm not into things dying slowly. I'm into getting quick, getting over with. Yeah. Respectful. Yep. I don't know, but yeah, you're probably right. I should, I should get some some dales or something. Yeah. I don't know. I think though my my plan with the cyania out the gate is either just feed the tatus froglets straight off the bat or send. You're not going to just attempt a blood tank. I can. I just don't know that they'd actually eat it. Not like live? Yeah, I mean, I would try to do a live blood pain and just sing out. It may be different because they're captive bred. It, yeah. it may not be a problem. This is my first time breeding poison. So. Right. Yeah, I mean, I imagine if you had a... a I also have so many potatoes frogs that it's like... True. Why not? True. But I feel like I would rather attempt straight rodent 
and not have to worry about transitioning. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, I, even with Congos, like, if whatever this next clutch comes, I'm not going to waste my time trying to get any straight piggies off the bat. They're going to get chicked down. Like, I already know that's going to work. Just yeah. save myself the frustration. And just get food Just get food out. Yeah. We used to, uh, when we were doing a bunch of model cobras, we would do a live pinky first mm-hmm. and leave it in there overnight. And if it was still there in the morning, we'd wait a day. And then the next day, we would use a frozen thawed pinky that was thawed out in uh, tuna juice. I tried, you know, when we were trying to get those alternative babies to eat, I tried canned chicken, mm-hmm. just dipping the pinky in that. I tried tuna or salmon, one of the two. Sure. I got nothing. Oh, and uh, silver side juice as well. Silver sides? Like sardines? Uh, no. Well, yeah. I mean, they're very similar to like but fish. It's it's they're frozen fish intended to feed predatory saltwater fish. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, I do not recommend them for any kind of fish eater. Like they're super duper high in sodium. They're packed full oh, yeah. of friggin' salt. And like my roommate unknowingly killed some garters because he was overfeeding silver sides because that's all we get at the time, and they just they just die from the sodium. Um, but we would basically take, break off a piece because it's in like a big frozen sheet. Break off a piece, put in a deli cup of uh, warm water, throw the, the pinky, the frozen thawed pinky in there, frozen pinky in there, mm-hmm. and thaw out in that fish juice and do that. And the, the monocles would slurp that stuff down. But again, we always tried a live pinky first and just, you know, if it worked, it worked. Actually, I want to see, is Jeff still on here? Jeff, if you're still listening, uh, I want to know if you fed the baby doodles yet and how that went and what you did to get them going, if they are even going yet. So. Yeah, and I do notice, <clears throat> even like I was telling you uh, the other night, you know, like even when the male cyania seems like he's all food, at least for frozen thought, if I put live fuzzies in there, he. So it could be the case of if I leave, like, day-olds live in there overnight, yeah. like, drop feet, like, literally put the food in there, close it up, ignore it. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I may get a response out of them. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, we'll try it. Now. I'm not worried about it because those are, they're also, it's super easy to just throw tails in them until they decide to start taking off on their own. Yeah. I'm really interested to see if froglets do work. Um and that's, you know, we've talked about, like, alternative feeders in the past, and, like, I have, you know, I have the turkey kiss geckos, which I'm hoping start cranking out some eggs and stuff, because I think that's another good option. Like, alternative feeders, if you could find ones that are easy to keep, they reproduce a ton, like patatas do. Like, to me, that's, like, if you're looking for feeder frogs, yeah. like, they're ideal. Like, those glucomelis, like... Those attacks are constantly producing. Year-round, well, they're producing. They're, and you have, like, an endless supply. You have these squirrel tree frogs everywhere. Those two. Dude, I would totally have, I hate to say it like this, but I would totally freeze a squirrel tree frog and either do the milkshake technique, you know, or just use the frozen frog as a, a, a bullion cube, for lack of a better word. Yeah. And and just and do that. That's what I had to do with the alternative. I had yeah. that fence lizard. Yeah. I just had a frozen fence lizard. I'd have to... Partially thawed out every feeding and just rub the pinky all over it, but it worked. Yeah. Oh. But if you have, I feel like if you have a clean alternative 
feeder source, like the potatoes. Mm -hmm. I don't have to worry about wounds. I don't have to worry about any of that stuff. You know, where it gets to the point where I have so many and no one's willing to buy them because they're not hard to find, they're not expensive. And, right. Then that's like a, that's like an ideal option. It is. Yeah. For anything that's a frog eater, turkey gives geckos like that's an easy option. They reproduce a lot. They're not hard to keep. And they're pretty geckos, they're fun. So, I don't know. I'm going to be interested to see sort of how the trials go with that. How are you going to set up the baby sand when you get them? They're just going to be in those six quart shoe boxes with a hide, and I'll That's... probably get some fake plants just to cover, like, give them some foliage. They can't get out? Oh, I'm sure they could. Like, they'll have the wedges in there. But they also, I've noticed, they're not really pushers. They're not like rat snakes where they're going to look for that, that, that weak spot. Um, so, I don't know. Just, hopefully all of them hatch. I don't see what reason why they wouldn't. They all look pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty fun. I, mean, I like the challenge of it. Yeah. Thanks, Dan. Dan likes my shirt and my feet. Nice. Went dark real quick. You know what they say about guys with big feet? They got big socks. You're just full of dad jokes tonight, actually. What was the one earlier? Put a chef hat on Archie and call him Chef Boy Archie. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, it's so good. So good. So good. Oh. You're just jealous. Marginal. That's where they get those fake squatch prints, he said. Yep. Legit. Legit. <coughs> There's I, a smith in these woods. I sell castings of my feet for people to put in the woods and mess with people. He actually plucks out hairs and puts <clears> it <throat> in the, in the, in the uh, plaster Paris. But they ain't hairs from my feet. Oh, Jesus. Man, this one's extra long and curly. Oh, God. It's Bigfoot. And the carpet matches the drapes. Damn right it does. Everyone needed to know that. Can we talk about your haircut, by the way? Sure. So Justin, for his wedding, went to the barber. A professional barber. A legitimate barber. Which is what most anyone would do when celebrating one of the biggest days of their life. However, Justin's scenario was rather unique. Because this was Justin's first time having his haircut by someone other than his mother. First time in a barber. It's awkward. As a grown man, would you like to share the experience, please? I scheduled an appointment. I went there. Sat in the chair. Told the guy, that. look, I'm 29. Why don't you describe the uh, This is the, the, first, the first time I've ever been to a barber. Did he laugh in your face? He kind of giggled a little bit. <laughs> I said, I'm getting married Saturday. Please don't make me look like an idiot. <clears throat> and he was like, well, how do you want your hair done? Like, how do you want your hair cut? And I was like, I don't know. Because here's, well, okay, here's the reason why my mom has been my barber. Okay? My entire life, I've had two hairstyles. Grown out a little bit and then buzzed. So literally since, like, 
middle school, I'd let my hair grow out and then I'd buzz it all off and then just let it all grow out again and then buzz it all off. So I've never had a reason to go to a barber because I just throw on that number for my mom throws on that number four blade or guard and just takes it all off. Justin had a so I did have a beaver cut. Did you flip your hair like beaver? No. I have the longest my hair ever was was senior year of high school. And so of course there's like photos on somebody's phone. Yours? No, not mine. I don't have them. Who who was showing the pictures? The uh the the one guy last night. Glasses. No, the guy with the tattoos on his legs. Oh Blake, yeah. So I I did have uh like a helmet hair. It was Bieber. It was Bieber. Bieber ish. It was straight Bieber. He could have flipped his bangs like like the kids do. They have. I'll have to find my graduation picture when I got when I was getting my diploma because you'll see how long it was. That was the longest ever. It looked horrible. I look back on it. I'm like, what the fuck? Were you recruited for a boy band? No. Okay. So, my entire life, I've just had my hair just buzzed off when it got to be time. So, went to the barber. He asked me how I should have my hair done. I was like, I have no idea. Honestly, this is kind of an, like the, the length it's at now is kind of awkward. So I was like, I felt bad because I didn't really give him a whole lot to work with. Like it was too short for him to really do much with, but it was too long for him to like. Style. Yeah. And so it it was weird, but he, he did a good job. I'm happy with it. I'll definitely go back. It was it was pleasant. Talk about how he massaged your face. He did massage my face. Elaborate. So I was just sitting there. <laughs> he was behind me. And I'm just did like... you're like cello, like Jaws? No. Uh, no. This uh, is probably a normal thing. I don't know. It's my first time at the barber. But he got some beard oil. And I had no idea he was coming in. But he came up behind me and just rubbed it all up in here. Did it smell like chlorine? It did not. It actually smelled really pleasant. <laughs> but I want to say, I think it was just, it made it easier to cut. Oh, okay. Like, I think, I don't know. Yeah, but you have but, very, very straight hair. You have straight hair on the top. And my head, but my beard is, you're, it no, gets you're, a little crazy under here. Yeah, but like, you compare it to like mine, my beard is super kinky. <laughs> yeah, there's a joke in there. <laughs> Where's Carly Jones being? I don't know, but the guy laughed. I mean, he's older. He's he's like the patriarch of the family that owns that barbershop. Mm-hmm. He's like, how do you want your hair done? I was like, I don't know. Dude, like, you're the professional. I trust you. Hopefully. Well, whatever you did for your uh, rehearsal dinner, you look dapper as fuck. I just put some pomade in it. Yeah? Dapper Dan. Dad, Which I left at the house, so tomorrow I'm probably gonna run the wall games and get some. Dan said he never bought a beard straightener. It was not a happy finish, Mike. He just rubbed my beard for a few seconds and it caught me off guard. That's all it took. But it was it was weird because I'm used to like sitting completely still, and then when like my mom's cutting like one side of my head, I tilt it so yeah. it's easier. 
so like as he was doing this, I was doing that like naturally. Oh yeah. And so I felt bad because I was like, this is probably pissing him off. Like this, I'm probably not making his job any easier. Well, so like he's probably time, used to people just doing whatever they normally do. Yeah. Well, as I said, normally if I'm getting a haircut, it's I've had I've had male barbers, I've had female barbers, and normally they'll just kind of like push a little, you know, and then you kind of lean however, or they may say, hey, lean forward or lean back or whatever. <clears throat> It's just weird. And you straight raise your neck? Easy. He tightened it up. Like my hair on the back was straight razor. That, that made me nervous. Hot leather? No. Really? Just like shaving me. Then I went to work right after and I was all itchy all day. So. Thanks, Dan. Dan said good luck. Congrats. Enjoy your day. Have a good night. You'll be smoking a lot of cigars and drinking a lot of margaritas. Yeah. How many cigars did we smoke today? I don't know. At least four, right? Something like that. There's a lot of cigars for me in one day. Rookie. It's good. Rookie. Snakes and stogies, man. All day. <sighs> this is like the time of year where you just put, put a sleeping bag out sleep outside. I want it a little colder. I want it like 60s. Like my buddy, her mom has this awesome screen in the back and I'm like, dude, dead winter. I'd totally be out here with like a super heavy ass blanket and just pass out. Absolutely. No. Absolutely. No one told me you two were on, Hendog said. Uh, well, it was, moment, it was kind of an impromptu sort of deal. How's mango? Do you tango with mango? I'm sure he does. Henry's been taking some fantastic cell phone photos of mango lately. Really, really good stuff. He's got that new Samsung. Oh, which he snap. still hasn't bought a freaking case for. Jeez. Because he's an old man. Are you, you freaking psychopath? I say that I have a case on my phone and it doesn't even like my screen's still cracked. I got the, the actual glass cover for mine and I thank need, God because that cover cracked. The screen's like, still good. My screen is burnt. Burnt. Like you see the numbers in the yeah, keyboard. It look like. Oh my God! It did. Look at that. I, was I like, need a new phone. That Chondro has uh, numbers going down. I'm side. so used to it. it. drives Katie crazy, but I'm so used to it at this point. Like, it's really bad when you have, like, a white screen. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, my God. Look, I can see it from here now. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. It's time for a new... Yeah, the, uh, the little plug hole for the cord on my phone is, is... I don't know if it's bent or warped or whatever, but now I have to, like position the cord at an angle so that it actually charges because if i just plug it straight in it won't charge very funny oh he said mango is great thank you and he has a case oh good excellent finally excellent good, oh. good. it's probably like from the dollar store no 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 henry is probably imported from some faraway land it's made of the finest craftsmanship. <laughs> not that otter box
I don't know. Maybe when we come back from the honeymoon, I'll investigate getting a new phone because mine won't be an iPhone. Mine, I'm a Samsung guy through and through. Samsung Galaxies. I'm sorry, that's. I'm an Android dude. Android for phones, Apple for computers. iPhone. Yeah, but see, if you had an iPhone, it would sync up to your Apple computer, and you'd be able to share everything easily. I really don't want that. You say that now until you do it, and then you're like, wow, what have I been missing all my life? Henry said he also has a springtail explosion. Good for him. And Chris said he's back, bitches. Back, bitches. <laughs> Chris said Apple phones over home built computers. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I just, I'm fine. Like, I like their computers. I love their laptops. But I, their phones, I just, no thanks. But apparently I'm missing out on Battleship with Carly. Legit. I'm actually mad at her because I initiated a game of Battleship and I made the mistake of doing it while she was working. I didn't know she was working. So it took us like five hours to play. But... We never finished it, and I'm pretty sure it's still her turn. It's probably because she cheated. It's physically impossible for her to cheat. Mm -hmm. She lives 3,000 miles away. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Chris said, I'm with her ass. <laughs> Someone needs to. She, right? she cheats in Battleship, for anybody that wants to know. She does not cheat in Battleship. We just make people think that she does. She cheats. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though. It was pretty awesome at Carpet Fest when she literally was like, everyone play Battleship? And yeah, all at the, the point where we're all like hammered. We're all hammered. Yeah. And she's like, you want to play Battleship? And we all kind of look at her like, are you for real? Like, we thought it was like a euphemism or something. And she's like, no, really? And like leans over the side. And she had it like, <laughs> in, a, she had it like in a holster. It was prepped. <laughs> and she whips out the cardboard box. And she's like, no, for real, here. And all of us were like, well, Ooh, fuck it! It's like why not? You literally put that on the plane and brought. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. Yep. She brought it there. Did they do it? I don't know, but I think that might do it for this episode. I think it might do it for this episode. This episode. We talked a lot of cool stuff. Sneak some some treats on mass. So maybe, there's a, maybe there's a copperhead in there. Maybe there's a copperhead in there waiting for us. Have to go look. Let's go to the gas station and feed you water bottle. Yeah, Chris. We'll see you later, man. Thank Everybody, you, everyone. Have a great evening. It's my last episode as a single male. Thank you, Henry. We will see y'all later. Good night.